0: Welcome Welcome. to Pushing the Limits, the podcast that gets deep into the psyche of extraordinary achievers across all genres. Cutting to the chase to unlock the secrets of their success, their achievement, philosophies, and motivations. Join us in the quest to find out what makes the movers and shakers of our world tick and what gems and wisdom we can learn from them. Now, over to your host, Lisa Tamati.
1: This podcast is brought to you by Training This podcast is brought to you by Training Tilt Software. Training Tilt is a complete toolkit for coaches, health and fitness professionals and nutritionists. Combine your website, your e commerce needs, client communications, and training plans into a single, affordable platform. With this software and expert business advice, you can get better results for your clients and your businesses. If you're wanting more information about Training Tilt, please go to lisatamity.co.nz forward slash training tilt. Now on with the show. Ah, there we go. Well, good morning everybody. We're here uh, on Pushing the Limits with Lisa Tamity and today I am talking to Kim Allen. Uh, Kim is a famous, infamous, amazing ultra runner (laughs) and Kim's (laughs) joining us on Skype and Kim says to me before I don't know what I've got to to talk about well I'll tell you what this lady's got heaps to talk about so uh, good morning Kim nice to have you on the show
2: Good morning, thank you for having me, so, yeah,
1: <laughs> a little bit worried as I said
2: what I'm going to talk about, but I'll just follow your lead. <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely, look it's not nothing, um, we just want to talk to amazing people and Kim certainly is one of those. So Kim, tell us a little bit, um, just a, you know, a bit around your, your life, who you are, where you live, what you do, um, your, your childhood, where you came from, that type of thing.
2: Wow. <laughs> okay, um, so I live in uh, South Auckland. Well, we're actually now the Waikato because Auckland ditched us, which is on Tua Kau. Yeah. Um And I've lived here for 13 or 14 years and so I've sort of lose track. Um, and I grew up in Auckland and Wellington. I actually went to boarding school um, down in Wellington for a few years. Um, well, yeah, and I've got four children, my youngest is 18 and he's down at his first year at uni down in Dunedin, so the other two are over in England, one's doing an OE and one's living there, and my other son's living in Timaru and he's just bought and moving into his first house with his partner and baby.
1: Wow, wow. Oh, so your yes, grandmother? got two grandchildren. Wow, <laughs> you don't look old enough to be a grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> two.
2: My, uh, uh, oh, my, um... Oldest daughter's little boy is, he'll be three in August, so, yeah. Um, And I got into running about, uh, in 2010, well, it wasn't actually running, I joined an Oxfam walking team. um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, the
1: Oxfam's, um, the 100Ks, just to let everyone know, it's a 100K four-person team event where people um, raise money for Oxfam and and do this, and it's, it's full of people that haven't done it before, eh, Kim? Yeah, it's,
2: it's a really amazing thing. I just shouldn't tell anyone to give it a go because it's – my initial, when I looked at it, was, oh, yeah, yeah. And then I look I was on the motorway. There's a sign that says, on Auckland Motorway, uh, 99 kilometres from here to Hamilton. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, there's no way I could walk or do that. So <laughs> I decided not to. I was going to pull out. Yep. And then when I went and looked on um, – the web page, I was just sort of browsing, and I saw the different, all the different people that do it, all shapes and sizes, ages. Yep. Kind of had that. Well, if they can do it, why can't I? There's sort of moment. Yeah. And yeah, pushed ahead with it, and it was yeah the start of start of my ultra running. <laughs>
1: yeah. And what a start that was. I mean, like. um it is something really massive to comprehend. I mean, I I've done a Oxfam too, back, and I did it with um, famous Sandy Barwick. You know how what a privilege that was. Oh well, yeah. 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 And and two other ladies. In and, and you know it was such a ball. And there, and there really is, people have this conception. I think that if they're not in the scene like we are, that mm. ultra marathon runners are these lithe, super athletic, amazing creatures, and the, <laughs> the, the truth couldn't be much further, you know, no. further from reality, yeah. okay. it's not, um, I remember last week, I was, or two weeks ago, I was up in Rotorua, and at the uh, Rotorua Marathon, and um, I was talking to a lady about coaching and stuff like I do, and mm. she was there working at the at the event, uh, just as a worker, and she's going how come all these marathon runners are not like super amazing looking creatures? There's old (laughs) people and there's round people and there's tall people. Yeah, model athletes. (laughs) (laughs) And she said, I thought they'd all be like superheroes. I said, no, croaky no. And that's a complete uh, misconception. You know, and, and all shapes and sizes, and at the
2: end of the day, um, you know, it, it comes down more to the mind than the, what the body
1: is. Yeah, and yeah. people people seem to think, oh, that's a saying that we we throw out there. You know, that it's yeah. all in the mind, but yeah. it isn't, does it, Kim? Like no,
2: it, it definitely is the mind. I mean, you can be. As fit as you want, and you can see that you can see the fittest and the people that have got the best credentials. And I mean, they call out of things and um, for reasons. I mean, it can be injury and things, but often it's, it's your mind has got better of you. Yeah. yeah,
1: it gets the better of you. Now, so you've been only doing this for six years. Yeah. Now let's go through a bit of a list of what you've done because oh. it's mind-boggling. <laughs>
2: Um, well, yeah, I was a bit worried. I was like hunting around the house this morning trying to find dates of when I actually did things because oh, I'm not worry about really... being
1: exact in dates. We just want to get a gist of it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I did um, so I did Oxfam in 2010, and just because I was worried about letting the team down, yep. um, I yep. thought I'd do the solo 100k at the Great Lake Relay, <laughs> which was about six weeks before. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I entered as a walker and. Before that, the furthest I'd ever been was I walked uh, the Pukakaui half marathon, um, yeah, and that was the furthest yeah. I'd trained or done.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you went from twenty-one k <laughs> to a solo one hundred. So I
2: entered, yeah, entered the hundred k solo as a walker, and I walked it in fifteen hours thirty. Um, wow. At the seventy k, I. I remember ringing my friend, bawling my eyes out, just, yeah, that don't, if you're any kind of friend, never let me do something like this again, and I remember my mum telling me, pull out now, you've got nothing to prove, you know, I'm like, well, I haven't just done 70Ks for no for reason, Exactly. <laughs> got to finish. <laughs> yeah, to I think I lost every toenail, I, um, my feet, I knew nothing about ultra running at all, I knew nothing about hydration, I knew nothing about shoes. Uh, having, loosening my shoelaces, none of
1: that stuff. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you just went out there and you did finish it in 15 hours. I did finish
2: it in 15 hours. And that's a bloody
1: good time, (laughs) you know, for walking. That's a massively good time.
2: (laughs) So that was my first ever ultra event. And then six weeks later was the Oxfam, which I did minus toenails, which was actually a blessing because then I had no other toenails to lose.
1: (laughs) So, I like your <laughs> <Yeah>. attitude, eh? <laughs> it's a blessing yeah. and you've got then, no totals.
2: Um Then the following year I repeated the same thing except I entered the Great Lake as a runner, which intending to run and walk it so that I could run if I wanted.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think I bought, I don't remember the time I did that year. Yep. It was 13 yep. or 14, 13 hours something, wow. I think. Um, and I did Oxfam again with another... Team. I just um, joined a team on the. They have a website called the Lonely Boots, which yep. kind of sounds like a dating site, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you meet you. other people that are looking for
0: team members. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, and then I also added in um, the twenty-four hour race, uh, the Schwimmenoi twenty-four hour. Oh,
1: no, that's a mind bender too, isn't it? Tell us about yeah. the first one <laughs> of those, because I've, yeah, I've done quite a few of those, and they're real mind benders, aren't they?
2: Yeah, and that was I sort of entered it not knowing anything and I didn't have any crew and um, just sort of went along and set up my little table. My mum popped in sort of every now and again to see how it was going and I was very, very fortunate that Richard, um, Vivian Ching's yes, yes, husband, yep. husband, kind of felt sorry for me and nurtured <laughs> me along through the night a wee bit, so I was oh. very lucky yeah Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was my first twenty-four hour, and I got one hundred and seventy-eight kilometers. Holy so.
1: for your first t- attempt! Jeez. Yeah, with no crew.
2: Yeah. I got so, through. Yeah, uh, I was vomiting everything at the end, but
1: oh through. yeah, so you, you know, if you haven't done an ultra without vomiting, you, you probably haven't pushed hard enough, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was silly enough to think I was going to get in the car and drive home. Well, <laughs> it just didn't happen. <laughs>
1: But, Kim, yeah. how do you do this without any, like, to go from 21Ks and then smash out 100, and then six weeks later to back that up, which is like totally, if anyone's listening, totally against what I would ever coach anybody to do, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> Don't worry, I've done these sort of silly things too. But that sort of mindset, how did you, because it is like, it is phenomenal, and it is not, yeah, what I would recommend for anybody's, um, you know, pathway to ultra greatness. Um, how did you do that with the mind, not knowing? Is it is it the boldness of not knowing, and not knowing how so. painful I, it's going to be, and how? Yeah,
2: it, I kind of think so. It, it's kind of like that saying, "Ignorance is bliss." Mm. You know, you you just no go in, you and
1: you couldn't. Yeah, it
2: was. Um, yeah, I don't know. The, the Oxfam one is probably easier to explain because you don't want to let your team down yeah. because you're with four other people. So, you know, you keep pushing along and you're all hurting, so you can all feel miserable together and mm. um, kind of get each other along. And if one person pulls out, I think you can still finish, but you're not uh, and it's mm. not so counted sure. the same. And then if another person pulls out, you've got to withdraw. Yep. So, um, so it's that pressure. The the one on my own, like the first one, was like my mum and Nana had come down for that Great Lake one, and also my son, and yeah, that became more mental, it was, I would got to the 70 and I was just like so miserable, but to me it just seemed crazier to pull out Mm -hmm. when I only had so many Ks to go. Only 30. And then that 70 Ks would have just meant nothing, it would have been a failure. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It was like, yeah. It's, when you look back at it, um, considering i would only done 21Ks, 71Ks, was, 70Ks was pretty cool, but um, that was just kind of the way I looked at things. And the 24-hour race, um, I just, I got, you know, I was doing lots of walking, obviously, um, in that. Yeah, um, as, as you always But do. yeah, I was just just trying to nut it out for the 24 hours, cause, yeah, it's kind. Of, I don't like to say fear of failure because to me, failure is a really big thing. Which I learnt yep. when I did my first attempt at the five hundred k's was a failure. Is nothing to fear, but um, without sounding corny, because it's no, not. But,
1: that, but it is so true. I mean, that's something that I'm really big at promoting. That failure is a, is a stepping stone on the road to ultimate success. And without the willingness to fail—you're um, never going to explore your actual limitations, you know. Exactly, and
2: that's it took me a little bit to get my head around that, but um, well, it took failure actually to yeah, uh, failure at Northburn and failure at my first uh, 500k. So yeah.
1: So tell us, let's let's move to that one. Is that the next one in the in the chronological um, thing? The the North No. So oh yeah, after the 24, what was the next?
2: Oh, God. Um, well, I think then I did attempt, I did went down to do Northburn. Yeah. Um, I had, because I was a, going back, I was a jockey, and at this stage I was still riding track work at Pukakaui, um mm-hmm. Racecourse in the morning. And I had a bad fall not long before Northburn where I uh, sprained my lower spine, like I fell on the car racing track mm-hmm. in a sitting position. Yeah. And um, that sort of, yeah, I was not feeling great, but, uh, you know, I'd paid up and done everything, so I'm going to go down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then that put pressure on me and ended up having bad knee trouble um, in Northburn. So I pulled at the 50k, and that hit me really hard. That. Yeah. So, it was probably so my, that was my first failure. Yeah.
1: So, so um, uh, for listeners, Northburn's uh, the race that I own with Tom Pickney down in the Cromwell. We'll give it a bit of a plug while we're here and uh, Terry (laughs) Davis (laughs) is the director of of the race and it's a we have a 50k 100k and 100 miler Um, and it's really rated as one of the toughest in the southern hemisphere Um, and it really lives up to its name eh? it's over the uh, Northburn station which is one of the biggest stations in the country and goes really high so we go up to about 1600 meters I think from memory and which is very alpine conditions. So, Kim, yeah. you did the first round at 50, and then because of your injury and, 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 and things, you had to pull. I pulled, yeah, I was in for the 100 miler, so, and it was,
2: the weather was really bad that year, which yeah. I think it was, excuse. <laughs> <It was laughs> no excuse. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, my knee was giving me all sorts of problems, and, um, and with the weather being so bad, and I think, I just, well, yeah, my mind also, I could have pushed on I, I probably would have had to pull out further up and that would have just been more hassle for everybody so your decision
1: to pulling out of, of races you know like sometimes is it becomes a a sensible decision um, even though the athlete knew wants to fight on yeah um, I've had times you know in the Himalayas for example a couple of years ago and I you know a whole years training a whole you know film crew Sponsorships, yeah. everything, the whole works. So you've gone all the way over there, and I got up to um, just below base camp where we were climbing uh, Kalapata, and I got a I got altitude sickness and a chest infection, and yeah. I had to pull out like six hours before we were heading off, and that was that was super devastating because it, you, you hadn't even started. Yeah, you know? and but I could I, could, yeah. I couldn't You're even. Just... Tie my own shoelaces. I was so bad shape. So I knew that if I went, I was going to cause havoc. Yeah, in the mountains, As, you know.
2: Yeah, it's putting other people at risk. It's the expense of getting all the yeah the the, the, the rescue, I guess. And,
1: yeah, yeah. And it is yeah. sometimes wiser to come back and find another day than yeah. to be stupid and egotistical which which is an easy thing to be when you've given so much to something, eh? That you just
2: It is, it is. And Yeah, it is. It's, it's the ego that is pushing you on when you know that you yeah, you've you've just got to take into other people other people into account and yeah. who is supporting you and what are the logistics like. The logistics if I'd carried on and gone up to the second stage of Northburn.
1: Yeah.
2: Going into the night and stormy weather Mm.
1: howling ones, for someone to come up and get me <laughs> it yeah. wasn't going to be easy <laughs> no it, and, and yeah. it is a, a real um and we you know take safety really seriously at north because it is such a dangerous yeah mountain and and it is a mission and we we'd rather have people do that and come back next year and have another crack you know yeah and then be silly so how did that hit you confidence wise though because i know when i've had failures, it's. It, even though, like, in the in the retrospect of looking back now as the older, wiser person, you're like, yeah, mm. that was a part of the journey. But at the time... Oh, yeah, you it hit me.
2: Um, you, you come home, you fly home, and you're feeling, you know, because at the time when you've given up and you go back to your hotel room and you're in your bed, you're like, and go to sleep. It's like, oh, yeah, this is so yeah, good. It's over. <laughs> and then you wake <laughs> up in the morning and you know people are still out there and still going, and, yeah. and the reality hits you that you know, maybe I could have carried on, maybe, and you have all this self-doubt yes. and, yeah, questions, and, and it did hit me, and then my answer to it was to come back and give myself a kick in the butt, and I came up with the idea to run 500Ks without sleep, <laughs> <laughs> just to punish me.
1: So that was your punishment for an orphan. oh my God, I had no yes. idea. What have I done to you, Kim, to start it off <laughs>
2: how <laughs> oh, see you body fail me
1: yeah. <laughs> that's dreadful <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but' I'll get um, you back <laughs> so you you what was what was this project all about Kim? Uh, well, I was trying to
2: come up with something that just would really push push me that um um and got on the you know to try and Look at doing something that's fundraising. It's just not all about me. And yeah. I came out with all sorts of scenarios. But at the end of the day, everything was going to cost a lot of money.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and it's like, well, you're trying to raise some money for charity, and yet it's going to be costing all this. It kind of defeated the purpose.
1: Yep.
2: So I was trying to think what I could do that would really have no cost. Um. And I had just, oh, probably about three months ago. Before that, read um, a book by Pam Reed. And, yeah. Um, yep. Um, and then I recall her saying that she sort of went for Dean Carnese's record of running without sleep. And I was like, oh, that's worth playing around with. So I kind of looked into it. And I played around with the idea for quite a while, you know, with where you could do it, what the logistics would be, and how to go about it. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, then I just put it out there that that's what I was going to do. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and
0: where do you date? get
1: courage from? You know, like something to do, something like that um, is physical, mental torture for 470 yeah. k's of that. Um, yeah. How, I mean, uh, how do you? I mean, I can't comprehend 500 k's without sleeping. Not not even in my wildest dreams. How do you yeah. comprehend that?
2: Well, I don't know, I felt a bit, you know, it was the thing, it was, you you have the self-doubt and you have, who am I to think that mm. I can go and do this, or who am I to take this on? Um, and, you know, you look at Pam Reed's record and all she's done, it's like, mm, really, I've done nothing, but, you know, a few, a few ultras, and yeah, part of me felt really, like, who do I think I am, and then she, like, but at the end of the day, I, I just kept thinking, she's just another woman, just kind one. of, and yeah. she's got a body that works the same as mine, so you know, um, what why not give a it a go?
1: Yep, and it came yeah, in the mind again, once again. So, so, but ta- walk, walk more, walk, walk us through that. <laughs> what was it actually like to, to have a go? Because I remember um, hearing about it, and I think it was the first time I'd actually become aware of, of you as a person, and I was just like. <laughs> What? What? You know this is. <laughs> yeah. so I failed
2: that one because it was, yeah, I gave it the go and um, I got to 376 k's in 86 hours. I had suffered from really bad blisters within five hours of starting. It was a really really hot um, time and and I was did it at the Auckland Domain on the road. It's a mile loop there. Yep. Um, and for some reason, just suffered from blisters within five hours in from running, and they just got worse and worse, so my feet were, yeah, they were pretty disgusting.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, so I spent a lot of time stopping, getting blisters popped and dressed, and redoing that non-stop. There was also other things that um, I learned a lot from that first attempt, and mm. um, at 376, I didn't actually give up, I just kind of told the people that were going around with me in the night, I just sort of bent over and said, I just need to get, you know, just need to stop for a minute. And then the next thing, apparently, I kind of collapsed and was on the ground. And um, the next thing, they'd taken me up to the hospital um, where I got put on the drip and things, um, where I I actually thought I was in Paris in an adventure race and that I let down my team. So, yeah, I was hallucinating pretty badly. (laughs) But... You know, I remember my daughter saying, oh my God, what if you can't do it? Because there was the press in that there by this stage and, Mm. you know, that's what really made me aware, but, you know, the failure, that didn't matter, I'd gone out there and given it a go. Um, And and I kind of swore I'd never do it again when (laughs) I did that, but then after you recover and you kind of think, oh, if i had done this differently, if i had done that, next time I know not to do this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Exactly, yeah, and then I did
2: it again, and in that same 86 hours, I got 500k, so it was a pretty big improvement.
1: Massive, that's 124ks extra in in 86 hours, 500 ks people, 86 hours, 500k. that is phenomenal. So, did you have to walk quite a lot of it?
2: Yeah, I kind of set out a so I had a walking, um, there's a like a little climb at the domain, um. Uh you think it's a flat loop, but there was a thirty metre oh, each yep. lap. So that ended up if you did the whole time I I did a did the same Everest. equivalent as Everest. Oh yeah. But yeah, so there was a little climb going up to where I'd set up my base area. So I'd sort of walk that and walk through my base and grab food and eat and, and do that and then yep. try and run the rest of the part. But then obviously at night things go A while you yep. Um, your body shuts down a little bit more and you do more walking. Um, and then, like, weird things happen. Like, I think on the last morning um, of the day, so I don't know, what's that? Uh, uh, 70 thing. hours in, yep. I, was, I started running my fastest loops. Wow. <laughs> it was like really weird. <laughs> yeah um only for a few loops of course but I don't know where that came from um did you run into
1: trouble like with your central governor in your brain I've done a bit of you know study on this about how it stops you recruiting your muscles and you just physically like you can only do that little stiff shuffle yeah Um, and then to to on day four to, to actually do your fastest seems like an absolute anomaly like how did how the heck I don't know.
2: And I, I, you know, I learned that, like, okay, at night, the so first night's okay. And the second night, you have a few little weird visions. And the third night time, the hallucinations get really bad. And obviously, the last night, yeah. they were at their worst. Um, but once daylight comes, it comes back to normal again. So it's obviously all due to a play of light um and, and, and it's a sun.
1: body clock thing too isn't it your body yeah. I find in the night when I'm running through a night you're absolutely you think this is just never ever gonna end yeah and then when the sun comes up your body clock comes up with it and uh, yeah. I don't know what it is the cortisol it's just or something like the light
2: just is like a battery charger really yeah, yeah. and it's then just, you
1: come but artificial light doesn't do it it has to be not. the real the real deal and yeah. and then you come back and you like, you've actually gone through a night without sleep and then you can go through a second night. I've never gone to what you've gone to. Um, and you're still going and you're still... Yeah. And you think you're at your end all the time. You think, I'm going to pass out. And sometimes, have you... I've passed out many times running, have you?
2: No, just that just time of my sleep. first, attempt.
1: So my you first didn't, attempt. I've done it in 24-hour races where I've just actually woken up on the ground, you know, like oh. gone <laughs> sleep, yeah. you know, sleep running. No. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that, my first attempt, what I did, like, if they just left me, I probably could have had a cat nap and got up and kept going, but the whole thing was not sleeping, so that would have...
1: So well, <laughs> you don't put pressure on yourself. I mean, if you'd said, okay, I want to run 500 Ks in 100 hours or something like that, that would have been huge <laughs> enough. But to do it, like, not even allowing yourself, like, 20 minutes, um, had any cat naps or cause, any because that brings you back, you know that brings you back yeah, on the edge. That's a that definitely does, thing. and I learned that
2: from um, just even a twenty four hour race, and that that you know, and it's amazing what a five or ten minute nap can do. Yeah. But that was this I did not stop it at all to have any five minute, one minute. You know, there might have been like, when you're walking the last night and you're walking around, you just had to constantly. Keep
1: yourself, yep. keep yourself
2: up. Uh, keep yourself, yeah, away. And you could feel your eyes kind of go, and it's like be, I keep walking, and you just keep going, and you. it's just like, yeah. That you know.
1: sort of drive is beyond. Yeah. Um,
2: At the end, I just had, to, had a guy walk in front of me, and I just had to, focus solely on his back, yep. because if I looked at the ground, I saw all sorts of amazing things, yeah. um, amazing artwork and writing <laughs> that I was trying to stop and read, and oh. if I looked at the trees, they became oh, great, you know, I just they weren't trees anymore, wow. the grass was huge, the tree roots were like big waves of lasagna, and <laughs> it was just, the yeah.
1: Bizarre hallucinations, and yeah. do you feel like you actually damaged, something permanently by doing that you're pushing your body to that because this is you know the argument all the time is what are we doing to our bodies and we're going to you know wreck ourselves doing this did you have any lasting consequences of that
2: no it was it's a weird thing you if anything it's taught me that our bodies are capable so much more than what we obviously give them credit for and we we, we're we brought up and taught that you wake up, go to work, go to bed, watch a bit of TV, go to bed, you need to sleep, get up, and that's how our days are dictated from just what we know, yeah. but, you know, it's made me believe that we really are capable of using our bodies so much more than ways than what we do, Yeah. Um, but in saying that, it's not something you could do all the time, and I certainly... If I told myself right from the word go that I wasn't gonna do anything within three months of doing that. I was just gonna
1: yeah.
2: rest and I didn't give a hoot. Yeah, you know, within a week I was back out walking with the dog and things, but put no pressure on myself to come back and do anything at any stage. It was just recover. And the weird thing was that I was fine for a week, like I just got on with life. No no and then after a week or so all of a sudden the tiredness right. hit me again. Yeah. And I was just, like, sit down and I'd fall asleep. <laughs> so. that's,
1: that's what I found, too, in, in, in doing these massive ones. You're so um, – the adrenaline and the cortisol is still going through your bodies. Your endorphins are still being – and then about 10 days out is what I've worked out in my body
0: is yeah. when I crash yeah,
1: I Crash emotionally, I crash depression-wise, I crash physically. Yeah. yeah. And if I don't take that time then to, you know, for a week or two just to really – Crawl into the corner and hide from the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And back then, Mum used to bring me chicken soup type thing, yeah. and <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just
2: cry a you, lot. <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah, you do. Your emotions do get on top of you, and it does. But you know, it's not. I haven't found it to be long lasting, and um. Wow. And I've just, I just said, I just had um uh, a medial meniscus tear fixed.
1: Yes. Yeah. On
2: my um knee, but that was through. I, I know when I did that, and it was through just an injury and running through misplacing of a foot, yep. um, and the surgeon has said to me that my knees are in great condition, just like that, you know, um, and there's the wear and tear that you'd expect
1: from someone my age, you know, yeah. there, but n- nothing. nothing phenomenal from what no. you've done to yourself. No. I mean, ha- no. Can I ask how old you are, Kim? I'm 50. 50.
2: Yes, no, and you that. look
1: fantastic, and, and um, you, like, the doctors say that you've not done any major, major damage.
2: No, yourself. he said, like, like if you looked at my, like, so this was a medial, so it was on the inside of my knee, and you look on the outside of my knee, he said if he looked at that, he would just think it was like the knee of a 30-year-old. or something. think it says no. Um, major, and I've, because I've always, I've always had a bad leg and a good leg, because yeah. I had a compound tip fib um, break from a horse fall,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and that didn't heal, and so they bone grafted from the hip, and so I was in an external frame of rods that went in and out of my legs for nearly five months, I think, oh, okay. um, so that's always been my bad and weak leg, and so the leg that's, my meniscus is on, is my good leg, it's, the first time it's ever had anything go wrong with it, <laughs> um, being yeah. my strength. So this is the leg that's carried most of the pressure, and he's just said that the knee is fine apart, obviously yeah. from the meniscus. So yeah. the
1: argument that people always going telling you you're gonna wreck your joints, and you, you know, by the time you, I remember um, oh, um, Buck Shelford. I was at the Mary Sports Awards a few years ago, and um, he goes to me, oh, by the time you're what did you say, by the time you're 40, you're going to need a, a, hip, a hip replacement or something. Yeah. At the time I was, I know he said, you know, by the time you're 30, you're going to need a hip replacement. At the time I was 40 something.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. And I looked at him and said, uh, actually, <laughs> I don't believe that. And, and yeah. I've already passed that, marker, So you've, um,
0: <laughs> that's yeah. not
1: true. Yeah. It, it is, I think that sport is the elixir to, is an anti-aging elixir. Yeah. I mean, to the to a point um, well, to, a, to a large degree and, and when I say that I don't just mean running in fact mm. just running I think is very one-sided it's better if you're doing a whole range of mobility strength and and um, running yeah. um, but it's not something that' you know when people tell you you're gonna you're gonna wreck yourself and you look at them and they might be you know <laughs> Not well, exactly. You get people health. that
2: are walking around with Zimmer frames at sixty that have done no exercise in their life. Exactly. You know, it's it's just like well, you know. Um, and then you've got football players mm, that, that have more the, the highest knee replacements ever, but you don't tell them to stop playing football because they're going to, you know. It's, um, same no, with your rugby players, and, and to me, it's, it's like you say, it's balance, and I kind of um, I don't. Pinpoint myself as a road runner, a trail runner, a track mm. runner. I just run and I do, I've done trail events, I do track events and I do road events and I try to do that in my training as well. I'll, my training can involve, involve an eight-hour hike rather than a run. Yeah. And it's not just going out there pounding the pavements every day. Um, Same. And Same. And yeah, again, I'm light. I mean, I'm small, so that kind of helps as well that yep. you're not a big weight-bearing
1: yeah yeah definitely definitely does help I think um do you like as I've gotten older I've got more into more balanced exercise like you know like like your yoga your pilates that type of thing um weight resistance training because I've found that um the running was a very one-sided fitness yeah um and I wasn't what I would call functionally fit yeah. Um, at my peak of doing you know massively long distances I still was not what I'd call fit in the sense of um, I couldn't do you know team pull-ups or, or you know yeah. that type of thing So there's different types of fitness and I think it's uh, important to make sure that the, the rest of your body's getting a workout and not just your your legs and your mind
2: Yeah I, I agree totally and I think more so when you do get older even like with your stiffness and yeah. Your t- um, with being being a jockey, and you're in that squatting position for so much riding, track work, race day, yet you get really, really tight in the hips. And I st- still, even with doing hot yoga and stuff, mm. I'm, I'm really tight in the hips. And and it's not until I started doing the yoga and that that I realised just how tight I was with everything. So I I totally agree. That if yep. you can do. As they say, it's not replacing your runs or it's doing this, it's just a, an added on thing. Um, and I was doing a lot of hot yoga. Um, yep, I stopped just because I finding the time with work and one thing and another, so yeah. I just was doing some yoga stuff at home and again doing some strength training if I wasn't great. Um, at the gym, I've got my own sort of just hand weights and
1: body mm. weights here. And that's all you need. You don't need to have massive weights. But it is about building, especially your, when you hit your 40s and 50s, um, too. Mm-hmm. especially for women and, and, and petite women like you especially, is to build that muscle, to keep that muscle strong, not to um, yeah. lose muscle. Yeah, sure. I mean, your own body weight. Just using your own body weight.
2: Those yeah. exercises. That's, like, that's enough, eh? Hey? Yeah, well, because so, I work now for the Department of Corrections at Sprinkle, and um, you've got guys in there that have got no gym equipment, um, and you'd just be amazed at what they can do, you yeah. know? Awesome. <laughs> yeah. really so. cool. You just with body weight training it's amazing mm.
1: Mm, they, they should have some gym equipment in there <laughs> oh, they, do,
2: they do have them but this is just um, I guess the ones that haven't got up to the stage where they're going to the yeah. gym and doing things mm.
1: now Kim tell us about your jockey career because I mean yeah. the people would go oh well yeah you've been an athlete your whole life then
2: mm.
1: so I suppose that's true
2: um, yeah I left school at 15 um, to become a jockey and um yeah, so I've always had a, a degree of fitness. You don't really think about it. You just th- sort of think of it as a job. Yes. <laughs> so you don't. Um, but you are fit. Um, and...
1: Well do you have incredibly... I don't know much about horses or jockeying, but you, uh, I know that they have incredibly strong legs, don't you? Yeah, it's
2: a lot of... You, you, you know, you're, you're sitting in that squatting position where you're down. Like, you know, if you look how a jockey sits on a horse, you just sit there and do that on the ground. And... You think of a race, you're going around to start and you're riding that in the race, and plus you've got the adrenaline and the pushing of riding out at the finish. It's, yeah, it's very fast, sharp, you know. Yep. Um, and then you do that riding track work as well. You can be out on a horse for 15 minutes, you know, exercising it in the morning, and then it's, you're kind of doing four horses an hour, and you could be out the track for, okay. from five in the morning till 10, kind of thing, just riding horses. So, yeah, you are fit.
1: Yeah, hmm. yeah, and you must be like, even like your upper body and that must get a heck of a workout, just bounce, you know, bouncing yeah. along and, and sitting yeah. in that squat, because squatting is actually, um, I know, you don't know about horse riding, squatting, but squatting is one of the main, m- most important exercises you can do as far yeah. as functionally, functionality yeah. of your hips and, and your back and glutes and, and everything, it's a really good exercise. I think in America
2: they did something, and jockeys were one of the fittest um, athletes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um Obviously, the ones that are getting quite a lot of rides and doing the track work and that as well. Um, but yeah, you you do. But you know, during that time, I've I've had four children and you, you, mm. I stopped riding for quite a while. And I've had I had I had injuries through riding, a fractured skull, and oh. said break and <laughs> compounded for breaks and yeah. So you it was on and off. And um, and when I got into running, I hadn't been riding. Uh, For quite a few years. Right. But I'd just been writing track work, but that still kept me fit.
1: So um, let's move on to Spartathlon. Yeah. Or was there something else in between as well? Um, No, I
2: did um, Spartathlon. I think I did the World, I got, I represented New Zealand in the World 24 Hour in Stenbergen in 2013. So that was my third year running. Wow. And then, yeah, in 2014, I did Spartathlon. Wow.
1: Now, the Spartathlon um, is an incredibly uh, prestigious and, and historical race. Tell us about that event.
2: Yeah, well, it was one. I remember when I first started doing the 24-hour racing. Oh, my God, I don't want to say this because I can't pronounce his name. Um, you know the, the Greek guy who's done lots of Spartathlons and does a yes. 24-hour racing?
1: I know the man. I can't say it either. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> so I read about him, and I read about all the Spartathlons, and I was like looking at and I was just like, wow, that would just – be something I could never do and it was just because the distance, the time constraints, the heat and it just sounded really Real tough the really time tough. And, a and tough. so then when I sort of I looked at it again after doing the five hundred, um, and I kinda of thought, Well why can't I do it? And I'm I'm not a fast runner mm-hmm. and so I was worried about the time and then of course running in the heat's not something that I'm I would do just for fun kind of thing, yeah. so, um, and then I just decided, well, come on, let's just give it a go, so I apply, and that was probably actually the hardest, like, going through, dealing with, from from New Zealand and trying to understand all the Greek way of doing things and how to go <laughs> about entering and all that was really hard, yeah, yeah so, but once I got entered in I was in, and yeah, it was...
1: And you, you, did you have a crew like, um, talk us through the distance, the the mountains, and the time, like, the time limits is what put me off There's, ever looking yeah, at it. 36 Spain. hours
2: you've got to do it, which is, when you go through it's quite doable, but you can't have things really go wrong. Yeah. Um, so you've got to really keep moving or give yourself a good bracket in some area so that you can stop and rest. So I wasn't my, like I, no, I'm not a fast runner, but I knew that I had the mental strength to just keep going, that yeah. I wouldn't need to stop and have a sleep. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. So that was kind of what I had as my backup. Um, it's a race that is lots of, you can't, so you can't use poles, you can't have music, you you know, you can't have your earbuds in, your, which a lot of people use to keep motivated and yep. whatnot. You can't have anyone run with you at any stage as far as support. You can run with other people that are in the race, obviously. yep. But your support crew can't join you to run through the night or run any distances with you at all. Mm. Um, I was going to go over without any support and just do it, um, and um, I I did go over on my own, but I was very fortunate that um, I've got a couple of friends that live in Amsterdam, and they came over. And supported me, um, Galina and Remco, which they've also supported me in a, at the Stenberg in 24 hours as well. Yep. So they came, and really, it was, there's only certain checkpoints that your crew can can assist you, meet you at, yep. and um, you know, give you a chat, have a chat with you, sort of boy you up, um, give you if they've got some of your gear, help you change shoes and do things. So um so do, was, it's not
1: a very yeah, like dependent crew race it is pretty much
2: yeah um, you can very much do it on your own and um, there's lots of checkpoints and um, they do real, you know all your bag drops drop and everything yeah yep. bags but and so, you know I was quite set on doing it on my own but having them there um again it's the importance of crew it was just so nice in the middle of the night when i got to a point where i could see them that they're just there and they've got your back, kind of thing. There's yeah. someone out there that cares, <laughs> kind of yeah. thing. Because you do feel very isolated. Yeah, you
1: do. You feel very uh, lonely and frightened sometimes. Eh? And vulnerable, yeah, and yeah, and because of the language, like
2: half the other runners, very, you sort of like would only come across people that could speak English, and yeah, and out again. And then everyone else is pretty broken. or you, but that was pretty amazing too. And you know, you could run with. Three Japanese runners. We yeah. were running with them for five hours, but you just all nod heads and get along. and
1: yeah, you, know, you can't even say hello. <laughs> yeah, but it's quite a united nations happening
2: together. It's an experience you've shared.
1: Yeah, it's it's a bit of a united nations feel A eh, sometimes. And I've done you know races in deserts where you can't even speak to the person next to you, but yeah. You're I'm bond. running along holding hands with this lady from Brazil in the yeah. Sahara, you know, I don't even know her name or whatever, but yeah. we're both encouraging each other and sort of crying half the time yeah. and running along. <laughs> yeah, It's just really... It's amazing. Yeah.
2: It's an amazing thing. And spartathlon is road. So yep. you're, you're road and you run through peak hour traffic and you run oh. through some parts that aren't pleasant like the oil refineries and that then you run through bits that are just absolutely drop dead gorgeous stunning and you've got to pinch yourself that you're actually there um you start off up at the Colosseum and you run down through ancient greece um before you come into like the industrial areas then you run along the coastline and then at the 100 mile mark which is generally about depending how fast where you are but for me i think it was about one in the morning. Yep. you hit the mountain, um, you have a mountain to climb at the 100 mile mark, Ugh. so yeah, um, I hit that, I had some soup just before I climbed the last part of it which is more traily. Um, yep. and I, that didn't go down well and I, I started vomiting quite a bit and unfortunately I was vomiting along from a, um, a volunteer person and they can pull you off the course at any stage. Oh there. really? yeah if they don't think that you're fit to carry on they'll just pull you and i'm like trying to say to them it's fine it's fine it's just the soup yeah I'll put it out i'll be fine so oh. then i'd vomit then i'd walk about five steps and i'd be vomiting again and he'd be coming up oh, oh i don't
1: think you should be carrying on no no i'm fine oh god yeah that's the worst thing eh? the, yeah. the medical people are your enemies sometimes yeah <laughs> like-
2: so i finally got all the vomit out and kept going and um yeah but it was pretty hard to bounce back from that I had trouble from that point on
0: yeah
2: uh taking on enough fluids and dehydrating yeah I was sipping away I used a product called Tailwind which I find works for me and um so I in my mind I kept thinking I'm getting something in me there's not a lot It's something yeah so that that was probably the toughest point. And then when you come down from the mountain, you're still in pitch black, and it's like 2 or 3 in the morning. Um, and it's just a long, flat country road with nothing you can pinpoint on for a goal or anything. It yeah. <laughs> just goes forever.
1: Yeah. Right. Yep. so it's so, a psychological game of feeling like you're not moving.
2: Yeah, yeah. Not get, Yeah. It was pretty, and the total
1: distance is 236 not 46 46 guess, kilometers right, yeah right.
2: don't shorten it how yeah. <laughs> <Hard laughs> and running. yeah the you, you the next day you like you've been running all day through heat then the night and then the next day was just it just came out even hotter um than the day before the day before we actually had like rain which was quite nice but got that real steamy muggy heat yep, afterwards humid yep yeah, but in the next day the sun was just blaring, and you're yeah, it was hard. the The it was probably the the longest the the last thirty k's were the longest thirty k's I've run in my life. Yep. they were they were really hard. I was hurting. My hip was like locking up um, for some reason. I think it was crap. I don't know what it was. Um, so uphill I'd be power walking past everyone, and then when it comes to the downhill, I'd be crawling because my leg hip was really sore. Yep. Um, and the last fifteen k or so is pretty much all downhill. because
1: Ste- yeah. the, um, the the cutoff times are every like ten k's or something. Um, yeah. you
2: gotta you gotta hit the marathon oh, four hours or four hours thirty. the wow. First forty something k's, and then the time cutoffs are hardest at the beginning, right? Um, and then they lengthen out a bit, and you've got more leeway, but it it's amazing how fast it gobbles up because I had a really, I was going really well um, right through really till the morning. Yep. Um, and then I was really hurting and then the heat and then the not being able to take on board Food, I think like about an inch of a banana was about all I could eat every yep. three hours or something. Wow. Yeah. Poor recto was like pulling his hair out trying <laughs> to try get food into me. Um, and... I had. I was really lucky that I had a really good timely way by then, but it was, yeah, it was eating into it really quickly yeah, <laughs> at the same yeah. time. You have it. There was one stage there I actually thought I'm not going to make it, whereas like before that maybe I had eight hours up my sleeve kind oh. of thing.
1: Yeah, Yeah. It, it, it does, it just disappears when you're in, you're in deep trouble, and it's the thing yeah. when you've gone all the way over to Greece and you've got all that money invested in it and yeah. time and training and um yeah, it's. A, I've seen lots of really top ultra runners not make Spartathons, So to finish that is a, is a huge. Um, yeah, yeah. It was. I
2: was. I was. It's probably one of my proudest things that yeah. I've done. I think it's not just because of doing it, but it was was actually having the guts to go over and do yeah. a race in Greece on my own. Um, Without, because I think the only other, there's only been one other New Zealander that's done it, and he was based in Britain. It was back in he was he did it back in the early days. A guy called Brian Miss. Mm. Um, and so he I think he was based in the UK, but he was a New Zealander. Yep. But
1: yeah, so
2: you're the that, first Kiwi woman. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. And I think
2: cool. to actually go and do it from New Zealand, like train through our winter to go and race. Yeah, in the in summer. The summer. And, yeah. Um, yep. and I was. I was accepted to race it again this year, and I was going, it was on my thing, but then I've done my knee, um, and I just made the call to pull out now, so that, because I think on the 15th of May, you had to pay your thing, and then the people that are on the waitlist can get in, Um, so I made the call, because I just don't want that stress to... Be You're training awesome. when I shouldn't be when I'm not quite ready. So you, I'll, yeah. I, I'll aim for the 24 hour this year in October. Yeah. And if I can't do it, it's no biggie because it's no expense or no travel involved. Yeah. Um, but it's just there, done as a weekend,
1: you know, you don't always have to go and repeat these things, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I just loved it though. I was, I was, my aim was to go over there and do a sub wow. <laughs> 30.
1: But,
2: but, you know, it was another time and another. It's, yeah. it's a very, very awesome race. Just the history, the people, the, um, I highly recommend it.
1: And, mm. and you're like, like, moving forward, what's what's in the future for Kim Allen apart from another spartathlon? You're not looking at slowing down, retiring, had a mm-hmm. guts full no. of this silly game, nothing
2: like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I haven't really, like, I don't do a lot. I did the Tour de Gion, which I'm pronouncing wrong again, mm-hmm. last year up in Italy, which the race got called off when I was at the 200k mm-hmm. mark. So. Um,
1: oh, is that I, the one that goes through the Alps? You know, like...
2: It runs around the whole Aosta Valley in the Alps in Italy. Yep. So, all up it's 28,000 meters elevation. Oh! Um, and you just have, like your climbs are, climbs are kind of like from 400 meters up to 2,800, then you come down and then you might come down to 600 meters and you climb back up to 3,200 meters and then you come down and then you oh climb God. up to... It was just constant it's um an amazing amazing race and i'm not even like i was struggling um i i think i'm pretty sure i would have finished it um but i was like i was at grisane when they called the race off at the 200k right just the most stunning amazing race but it's yeah. still
1: a finish then because you you know it wasn't you that pulled out it was the race that. yeah if you'd <laughs> made it happened. to
2: gresne you were considered consider a finisher so yeah. you get the finishes thing but it, it kind of feels doesn't feel real yeah you know, like it doesn't i oh, don't know
1: you know take, it. That, take, that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> take that you did the 200 and the bloody alps you know like a, yeah and, and sometimes i've had races too with the you know, had to pull or change or change the route or whatever and it is it is a bit disappointing but you still did it, you know, it's not, it's not outside your control. All right, can yeah. we've only got a few more minutes? I, I yeah. want you to, um, what sort of message do you want to impart out there to people listening to, to, you know, maybe young girls, maybe um, people that are wanting to have a go at something that don't believe in themselves? Yeah, what that's, would you that's
2: like really, to share? yeah, really it's just, you just got to, I think it's asking yourself, when you think you can't do something, it's asking yourself the question, well, why can't I do it? And then answering that question, and you'll come up with the answers of why you think you can. And then, then you just, you ask yourself again, well, why is that? And then when you, dig into it, dig into it, you realize that you've got, there's no reason that you can't. (laughs) It's just really your mind. and, And The biggest thing I've learned is that your mind—we have the ability to change our thoughts just like that. You just the click of a finger, you know, from something thinking I can do something to I can't do it, or I can't do something to I can. It's—it's just a click. It's like a light switch.
1: So the power lies within your mind to achieve the things that you want to. You just have to be willing to go there.
2: Want to do? Have to want to do it. And yeah, and it's and the, the. I think it was Anne Treason that said that, you know, once you've done something that you thought that you can't, that you couldn't do, that seemed impossible, and you do do that and you achieve it, it just opens up a world of possibilities. The world is your oyster. You can go on. You, you then have the confidence to
1: just go so and Every time it. you break through a barrier. Yeah. You, 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 over, and it opens up the world, not only in your sport, but... In, 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 in you aspect. yourself, yeah, yeah.
2: You, you, you come. any battles now that used to would overwhelm me, or thing you've you find you've got the strength in you to, um, and we all do. You, there's nothing special about me, you know, at all. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I'm just a mum four kids, and I've had broken marriages and yep. been through all sorts of stuff. Yep, um, it's just you've just got to question yourself as to why you think you can't do something and you'll find an answer and the answer is generally that It's just your, your mind that's saying you, you, You're you opting for the easy
1: It's the someone easy. maybe that said to you you couldn't do something way back then It's a, a, a bad experience in your childhood. That's no longer relevant. It's yeah, it, it's yeah. it's it's reevaluating who you are today yeah, and believing and pushing those limits out just that little bit further each time and you went from 21 k's to 100 k's probably you know you should have a couple of steps in between but you know just believing that you give it a go you know like you've got nothing to
2: lose is it's actually it's going to hurt yeah yeah. (laughs) and and you know there's nothing wrong with hurting either hurting's a good thing you know to a degree and it's I mean, there's a, um, a quote that it's a lot, of, but you know, it's like if you haven't suffered, there would be no depth to you as a human being, no humility yeah. or compassion, because you've got to suffer at some stage, and suffering makes us stronger and and hopefully better people. It's not it's, something yep, you yep. need to. To make to dwell on and let it rule your life, yeah. And so if I'm you if you have that.
1: everything easy, if everything comes easy to you in life, and you watch this and children who've mm. never had to push, never had to struggle, never been freezing, never been hot, never never gone hungry, whatever, they yeah. they don't have that resilience when life in life comes at all of us with something sooner yeah. or later, and then those ones get smashed because they they, they can't cope. They got yeah. no resilience. Whereas if you've been through hell. Yeah. You've been through hard times, um, you're more liable to be able to cry, fall over, then so you get hard. back up, and you get back up, and get back up. Yeah. That's but, you problem. know, anyway,
2: just go and give it a go, and like look at Oxfam as something with a team of you, yeah, some friends. Um, yeah. Just, you know, go out there. Life's for living, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's not for sitting and watching TV and just just getting by you've got to go out there and experience the last if i thought six years ago i would have done the things i've done just there's just no way i would have thought and yet it's just happened you know
1: you're 50 and you started at 44 and so age is no barrier is there no no and i've still got
2: things like i say i've still got in the back of my mind can i beat dean carnesi's record (laughs) i don't know
0: (laughs) know?
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's playing on my mind who knows yep absolutely and and it's just belief and just putting one step in front you know if you'd gone in that uh, uh, 100k's that day that first time you did one and only got to 50 yeah you would have done double as much or more than you've ever done before so what if you know everything is a relative you know it's always even the times you fail are, are, are learning curves look at and I think we we don't, like. we're really good at cutting down tall poppies in this country and we're really good at, oh that person failed at that, ha ha ha, yeah. Um, yeah. stop that. Let's say, wow, good on you mate for having a go and, and here's yeah. some advice or here's some, um, you know, pat them on the back and, and have another and have another crack, you know. Exactly,
2: I'm all, yeah, all for it and it doesn't have to be running, it can be whatever, you know, no. just get out there and try new things. Yeah.
1: That sounds absolutely brilliant. Look, Kim, thank you very much for being on the show today. I really appreciate your time, your wisdom, your sharing of your experience. You're a, you're an incredible Kiwi woman, and you know we should be damn proud to have you in our country. And I wish you very well in your future. And mate, you've been you you you. you, you. You make what I've done look like nothing. You really I uh, know, <laughs> oh no, nothing at all.
2: Really one of your books was one of the books that inspired me, so here <laughs> you can go.
1: And it was our mutual friend, probably Nicola McCloy, who um, helped me with my books and she's actually put us in contact and she's an inspiration too, isn't she? Exactly.
2: She is. I just had coffee with her on Sunday afternoon, which was really nice. she came to visit me. So it was lovely.
1: She's a a treasure. (laughs) Hey, look, thanks Kim very much for your time today and we'll catch up again soon. Okay. Thank you. We interrupt this podcast to tell you about my new e-course that I'm really excited to bring you. It's called The Path of an Athlete and it's available now online at runninghotcoaching.com, my online coaching platform. And it's all about, it's a nine-week course, it's all about developing mental strength, emotional resilience and a never-quit mentality. It will help you equip you to be more confident, have more self-esteem and to reach your full potential, basically, and to help you to achieve your dreams and your goals. So check it out at runninghotcoaching.com. It's available now.
0: That's it for this episode of Pushing the Limits with your host, Lisa Tamati. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, and share all this goodness with your networks so we can impact more lives with positive insights and inspiring conversations. And check us out online at www.lisatamati.co.nz. That's it for this episode of Pushing the Limits with your host, Lisa Tamati. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe and share all this goodness with your networks so we can impact more lives with positive insights and inspiring conversations. And check us out online at www.lisatamati.co.nz.